When I was teaching school, I often spent summers teaching an ACT prep class for kids trying to boost their scores before going to college. The point of the class was not to teach them any new subject matter. There wasn't time for that. The point of the class was to teach them how to attack the test, to deconstruct the questions and answers quickly so that they had a better chance of getting to the correct answer. Often my last class meeting with the students sounded more like a locker room speech before a big game. This test is no reflection whatsoever on who you are as a person or what you will become. This test is nothing more than a snapshot of how well you can perform on this test on this particular day. You've got to get mad at this test and refuse to let it or the time constraints beat you. You have the skills you need. Look back over the strategies we've studied and practiced. Get some sleep. Eat some breakfast. Don't forget your calculator. And then go in there and kick that thing in the head. And I think the time has come for the same tack in dealing with this pandemic. I read an article this week on the long-term projections for when COVID-19 might move from being a pandemic to being an endemic. According to the article, the changeover from an infectious disease from a pandemic to an endemic occurs when the virus is found regularly in a particular area or among people. The key difference in an endemic condition is that the virus is more manageable with greater population immunity. The common cold and flu are examples of endemic viral infections that are frequently encountered by the public. And Dr. Bernard Kamins, who's the Director of Infection Prevention at Mount Sinai Health System, believes that COVID will eventually become endemic over time. We all kind of know that. He says the, the definition of endemicity is that it will come back yearly, especially when winter comes. When it becomes endemic, though, it should not affect a large portion of the population, only certain groups. And it may take years before COVID stops hindering widespread travel plans, hospitalization rates, and healthcare systems. Well, that's just fine and dandy. I think we are all pretty sick and tired of being pushed around by the virus, the threat of the virus, the changes in the guidelines, the fear, the dread, the sorrow, just about everything associated with this stuff. And the CDC reports a veritable laundry list of things that that kind of stress can cause. Listen for your favorites. Feelings of fear, anger, sadness, worry, numbness, frustration, changes in appetite, energy, desires, interest, difficulty concentrating, making decisions, physical reactions, headaches, body pain, stomach problems, skin rashes, worsening of chronic health problems, worsening of mental health conditions, increased use of tobacco, alcohol, and other substances. It's natural to feel stress, anxiety, grief, and worry about the COVID-19 pandemic. And that kind of stress bleeds over into every aspect of our lives. 
It impacts our family relationships. It has caused our church life to suffer. There's a sense of disconnection that I think is directly related to our inability to gather normally. It shows up in attendance. It shows up in giving. It shows up in the general atmosphere around St. Peter's. There's less life around there now. Chrissy's little birds, as she calls them, can't really flit in and out like they used to. Groups can't meet. Programming has fallen off. It's incredibly depressing. It's just not St. Peter's as we know and love it. Into this mess today comes Paul's discussion of spiritual things. Pneumaticon in the Greek. Paul is speaking to a few members of the Corinthian church who regularly spoke in tongues during worship. This speaking in tongues happened when a person was overtaken and moved by the Spirit to speak unintelligible utterances to the group. The people to whom this gift was given highly valued the practice and believed it proved their superior spiritual status. Paul's argument against this belief was that speaking in tongues without interpretation, another spiritual gift, was nothing more than an individual practice that should be carried out at home. Paul believed that when Christians gather, every spiritual practice and act of ministry should build up the whole church community, not just the ego of a few individuals. Every action taken should serve the common good of the group. Paul was concerned that this competitive approach to spiritual practices could destroy the cohesive fabric of the community. In an earlier chapter, Paul had already made the distinction between the Holy Spirit sent from God and what he described as the spirit of the world, a powerful force that influences people to act in ways contrary to God's will for the world. When we think just of ourselves instead of other people, when we become obsessed with our own needs instead of what someone else might need, when we forget that we are grounded in the service and ministry of Jesus Christ, that's the spirit of the world at work in us. Paul, on the other hand, urges his readers to focus on those spiritual practices that are inspired by God's one Holy Spirit that lead to the building up of community life in the church. These charismata, that's the Greek, are literally gifts from God. Or even more specifically, from the root word charis, the divine gift of God's grace. These experiences of God's grace occur through various acts of service or ministry, which is diakonia in the Greek, and are grounded in the service and ministry of Jesus Christ. But the good news comes from Paul in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let me repeat that. Each one of us, each and every one of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit sent from God for the common good. Dr. King, whom we remember this weekend, is credited with asking life's most persistent and urgent question. What are we doing for others? 
And I think the time has come for us as the community of St. Peter's to take some time and do a little discernment around spiritual things. We need to remind ourselves that particular actions can lead to either the flourishing of the community when acts are inspired by the Holy Spirit or to the detriment of the community when acts are inspired by the spirit of the world. As we hopefully come out on the other side of this pandemic, let us consider who and what we want to be in this new age. And I say new because we will never be the same when this is over. We will never go back to the way things were. Too many things have changed forever. But we do have a chance to start anew, to really examine what is important to us. Yes, the budget may be smaller than it has been, but what can we do with what we have for the common good of the community? Yes, we may have fewer people attending, but how can we work together to build up the community that is here Yes, we may be down to the food pantry as our only local outreach program, but how can we work together to make it the best food pantry in Faulkner County? We have all the knowledge we need. Let's spend some time deconstructing this test. Let's rediscover our strengths and play to them. Let's kick this thing in the head. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can take St. Peter's and the community in new and better directions. Amen.